Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension Agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back to another week of Dirt to Dollars. How are you guys? Good. Yeah. Good. I'm like, I'm, um, it's kind of hot this week. Oh, yes. I thought, I thought we One were past last it. summer push. Is it the last hurrah? I don't know. If you summer. look at like the long term forecast stuff, aren't they saying October is supposed to be like way above average temperature for us? That's not what I saw. Where did you see that at? the national weather service so i actually saw something that i thought was from the national weather service as well and it had the hot weather being more in the west and yeah it looked like we but were going to be like, what like i saw average fall. Like we were going to be kind of on the edge of it though i think you saw it wrong matt <laughs> maybe i did i think you were i think you were you just wanting it to be hot longer no i don't i'm done with it i done told you i don't like this hot weather i sweat too much give me some Give me the weather that's cold enough where I can wear long sleeves and not be sweaty. Because the way I break out in poison ivy, I just need to wear long sleeves all the time. And this just makes it a whole lot easier for me to do stuff outside. So I wonder if that'll make, if we're having a normal fall, I wonder if that means the color of the leaves and everything will be nice this year. I don't know. I don't put much bank into that. They say that crap every year. Like, oh, it's going to be a pretty... Pretty leaves, or nope, it's not going to be pretty leaves. Well, and they all look the same to me. I can't ever tell a dang yeah. difference. That has more to do with moisture, doesn't it? I yeah, think it does. Like, I understand. Fall, they all turn and fall off. Right. They fall off as soon as they turn. And and I yeah. get that. I mean, and I, I remember, especially the, you know, some drought years or some dry Octobers, you know, that we've had, or actually not October, September and Octobers, that um, where it just, yeah, it just, it's not as much of a color as it is just brown. But I don't know. I never, I couldn't tell you driving around like, oh man, you can really tell it's been dry because yeah, the I leaves don't, aren't as colorful. They just still colorful. They're just, yeah. I don't really pay too much attention to it either, but I do know that's something that gets people going. They like to go look at the leaves and yeah, and it, gets all the, it gets all the bicycle drivers out on these back roads. <laughs> they don't have no business being on. Why is it they always want to drive on the roads that are the worst? It's the prettiest to be. That's why. But you know what? You know what? You know. Okay. So you say that if I'm in a vehicle and I'm driving around, what do you think I'm looking at too? I'm, think, I'm not arguing I, you. I'm, I'm looking just at saying. the trees and the leaves, and then you come around a curve, and there's somebody on a bright red jumpsuit on a bicycle, thinking they're who's a who's a who's a competitive bicyclist? Uh, uh, Lance was, Armstrong. Yeah, Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. They think they're Lance Armstrong rolling around uh, BFE and and. Then they they get run over. You just offended. And, you just offended every bike rider in. Yeah, uh, we just we just lost every uh, <laughs> every bicyclist listener that we ever had in that just, statement. But in Come all on, seriousness, that, yeah, it just be be cognizant of what you're doing. And yes, I know we have to share the road with them, but especially during like harvest season and when we're you know trying to get places, it's it's just be careful. So I'll leave it at that. But yes, when I lived in. There's a whole area of, there's a whole family of people that ride bicycles where I'm from. And that's, that's how they get through transportation. That's their transportation. And so we have, we just know that's just watch out for them. 
at that point. If you're on a bike where I live, it ain't your form of transportation. Yeah. There ain't nothing you can drive a bike to anywhere close. Yeah. So they're 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 but yeah, but these I'm talking about these people are full up suited. And and it's weird because you'll be like on the farm and you'll hear people talking and you're like, What? I Who's hear that? people talking. And then sure enough, you kind of look up and then there's a bunch of bicycles going by and they're talking to each other. Anyway. Oh, that's the only rant that I have. Maybe we should sure? put a bike lane out on these country roads. Maybe. Maybe would... you may have stolen that idea from somebody. Maybe. It'd be would, a good it idea. It would be a nice little lane for an extra extra vehicle tire. <laughs> Tractor tire. <laughs> get over on the road a little bit. It's just got to spin it a certain way to get it, huh? So how was your uh, how was your weekend, Daniel? Um, my weekend was. You do you want to hear about my weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear about your weekend. So I had, was very excited. I was going to take my daughter to her first Kentucky football game. Oh, and was just pumped. And then my son got the stomach bug. Oh, I'm sorry, and he had it for almost. It was definitely two days, um, but it was like 48 hours, but it really kind of spanned over three days, if that makes sense. Golly. Yeah. So, you know, it was like one night and then, you know, a full day and then the next morning of another day. So that wasn't fun. But luckily, nobody else got it. We bleached everything. My <laughs> wife's really good. She just cleans the house all the time, but she really cleaned it. Um, and it smelled like a bleach factory for about a day, but that's okay. Cause it, I don't think anybody else caught, caught what was going on, but it's also funny because during that time there was two or three different times where my belly felt weird or my wife's belly <laughs> felt weird. And you're like, uh Oh, here it goes. This is it. But also up. <laughs> with, with that being said, we decided that the football game would have been the worst possible place to have that like hit you. So we decided not to go. Um, hopefully, it'll work out where I could take her to this week's game, and then she'll have get to have a late night because it's a night game. Um, so anyway, but um, on top of all that, on Sunday morning, my mother in law calls and says, "Hey, there's a sheep, and it ain't supposed to be over here. It's, you know, it's off by itself." And I had a uh, I had to go get a sheep and get it back in. And it's I don't know one. what it is. It was just one, but I had to get it. Cause I was afraid, you know, lots of time if there's one over there, then they'll all start uh, following mm-hmm. that sheet, which is anyway, I really don't know how it, uh, <laughs> how it got over there. I'm assuming it got under the fence, but it wouldn't go back under the fence. And I had it. I need to send you all a video of me talking to the sheep, trying to get it. I can't play it on the radio cause it's not uh, good language, but it could have walked under it standing up really. And it wouldn't do it. So I had to catch it, throw it on the trailer, and haul it back over to my place because there wasn't no good you don't place have to. A gate? Not not in this stretch of field. Mm. You might now. I you might now. I might put just you a little to, gate. I might just cut the wires. Mm-hmm. Put one yeah. in. Yeah. I was gonna say we ended up putting a little gate in one of ours in our pastures because of that problem. You're like, golly, aggravating. But yeah, I, I, I sympathize with you on the whole stomach bug. It went through our, well, went through, I had it. I was luckily the only one that had it last week too. So I, I'm glad everybody's on the mend. Evidently the schools, it's running through the schools pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of them being out with it. So 
wash your hands. Sounds yes. like COVID again, but um, wash your hands and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, everybody, I've been seeing everybody in doctor's offices and stuff talk about the flu vaccine being here. Yes, I saw that this Was morning. Was there like a hold up on it this year? I don't ever remember there being announcements that they had, people had flu vaccines. I thought people had flu vaccines all, all the time. I thought they were always available. You know, I don't I'm, know. I, don't I know. never like, redo like, it every year or something. They might. I don't ever seek one out. But like, if I'm at the doctor and they're like, "Hey, you want to get a flu vaccine?" I'm like, "Well, hey, I'm here. You might as well just pop, pop my arm." So our uh, our oldest daughter was born in the fall, so it's like she goes for a yearly checkup right about the time they start wanting people to get flu vaccines. So last year, my wife and I both went, and they asked, "Y'all want yours while you're here?" So we just went on and got it. That's what I, I do. That's what we're going to keep doing. Yeah, we do that. I While do the you're same thinking thing. about it, just yep. everybody gets a flu shot. Pediatrician's office will, a, a lot of them will do that nowadays just to try to get people to go ahead and get it instead of having to make an appointment at their yeah. wherever, you know. Uh, I know that ours does it, and I've got one that has a fall birthday too, so we do that. In fact, it was yesterday. But the, I, I don't know. I mean, they update the flu vaccine every year, but I, I'm like you. I guess where COVID has been such a big, you know, part of the, world for you know the last couple of years the flu's kind of taking a back seat so now this year now that i guess technically based on what the president said the other day we're out of the pandemic that you know now the flu is back on everybody's mind because it is almost flu season or it is flu season so maybe that's why we're seeing it my daughter got hers like the internasal mm-hmm. where it's Ooh, just you're like lucky. Flu mist. yeah, yeah I, I wanted that but they wouldn't give it to me <laughs> i had to get the you know, the flu shot needles. hurt. Yeah, well, that, it hurts. The flu shot, every year I get it, it it makes my arm sore for a couple of days. They always go through a few needles trying to get into my guns. Oh, uh, funny, funny. Didn't hurt. <laughs> I'm sure. Another thing about this time of year, or actually the last, I guess last week and a half, like when it, it got cool and it was okay, but then now that it's got warmer, you know, it's like it's cool in the morning and your windows all fogged up. You got to turn the heat on. And then when you get in the vehicle in the afternoon and then the heat's on because you didn't turn you know, the heat you on. Left it on. Well, I ha- I park outside. I don't have a garage and yes. I have to defrost the windows. Defrost them. Yes. Well, they get they get it's not like frozen. Yeah, it's just the, it has the it has. Yeah. Just the you have to run the vent. You have to run yes. the, the defrost. Don't thing you have windshield the- wipers? Yeah, but, but you still have to run the defrost. What kind of world kind do you live in? Are you in? the kind of guy that just rolls down the road with <laughs> oh a fogged up window? Your head no, out the I just run yeah, the windshield do. wipers and wipe right, it off. Very careful, Ace. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, turning the heat oh, on. Right is that Ace? Is that what he's? Yes, says? it's Ace oh, Ventura. He's hanging his head out the window. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm that but same yeah, way, I Daniel. I have been known to do that on. When I need to get going in the mornings and you're scraping frost, just scrape a little patch and take off. Uh-huh. I've done it too. I'm not going to say like I'm perfect. But but anyway, you have the heat on of the morning to try to, you know, get that dried up or not be fogged up. And then, then you get in the vehicle when it's 95 degrees outside and then the heat's on and you're like, ugh. Mm-hmm. We you have turn a the air on and then the next morning you get in it and the air's still on and it's 48 degrees outside. And uh, it's a little chilly. So anyway, yeah, it's just we have it. third world problems. You know what I mean? The third house world. is the same way. You know, the air condition doesn't kick on at night. So it's kind of humid. It's a little warm. Mm-hmm. I think that's first world problems that you're talking about. 
it probably is. Yeah, yeah. First world problems. Speaking of other kind of crazy things that have been going on, uh, or not crazy things, but just the, the temperature and the, you know, you're ready for cooler weather. Are you, uh, are you done wearing your sunglasses for the year? I saw you had them on this morning. I wear sunglasses year round. I mean, I, I wear too, sunglasses but... at night because I'm cool like well, that. Well, but see, Daniel claims that he the hates sunglasses ne- and didn't use sunglasses. The sun never goes time. down on a bad man like yourself, right? Nope, it's always shining. You know, I had uh, I, I used to not wear sunglasses, and then here lately, I was at a store that was like everything was under five dollars. So I, they had a pair of sunglasses. I was like, I don't still look bad. I'll buy a pair of five dollars sunglasses, and I'm wearing them all the time now. Now, whenever I take them off, it's like, oh, like, ah. I feel like a vampire. Like, ah. <laughs> All right. So question, polarized or not polarized? I, I don't even know what that polarized. means. Polarized is it like seeing drink water, your polar right? pops with them? <laughs> yeah, maybe so. They, you can what now? You see underwater? You can see in the water. They're for mm-hmm. fishing. Mm-hmm. So like when you see, look at the water. So it's like x-ray glasses. You can see into the Basically, water. Basically, yes. Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. No. Try it. I didn't know that. I don't fish and I'm not really around the water, so I don't see the need for having them. But. Yeah. No, no, no. I, Plus, they mess I, with my eyes. I learned yes. something. I didn't know that's what it meant. Stuff's like, I don't know. It just, it hurts my eyes. I have a pair of safety glasses. They're like, um, I don't know. I got them for free somewhere, but they're steel brand, like S-T-I-H-L steel mm-hmm. brand. And they're yellow. And, and so they have a yellow tint and they may be polarized. I'm not sure but they have a yellow tint to them. And so like when you have them on, it's like all the colors look different. And then it's when like you take like them off. colored glasses. Yeah. Hey, there's our song for the yeah. week. Can that be our song? But like you the take week? them off and John it's like Conner. the colors are way weird. So maybe That's, they are polarized. They're polarized. Huh? Yes. Because, okay. So I, sorry, I went to Dr. Google and cause I know that there is a difference, but I, and it's about what the way the light is filtered. And it says that polarized glasses, they allow vertical waves to travel through the lens, but they filter horizontal waves, reducing glare. And so in contrast, non-polarized glasses only filter UV light and they don't prevent glare. So I, I have, I sort of like, that's kind of my thing is, you know, we talked about things we collect. I have a lot of sunglasses and that is, I prefer polarized glasses, but that's just me. So, Just as well, long as I be. Mm-hmm. I'm not spending $200 on a pair of sunglasses. No, probably I don't. going to break. I'm because not spending that much scratch. money either. Yeah, I know. But always, I'm bad about putting Whitney's them on top got, of my head. Whitney's got one of those, you know, when you go to the store and it has the big rack with all the sunglasses on it. That's what she has in her closet. <laughs> oh, it excited. basically looks like a rack of $5 sunglasses yeah. in there. <laughs> got one of all of them. Yeah. I scratch. I tend to, I'm hard on sunglasses too. So that's why I end up having to get two or three pair during the summer. But, you know, I, I'm. I put them on top of my head and I forget about them. And like, I'll be working on something, working on a piece of equipment or something. I bang my head against it and scratch them Mm -hmm. or they fall off or I get mad because I keep, they keep falling down. I throw them across the shop floor or something. That too. You know, you get, yeah. My thing is I'll put them on top of my head and kind of forget about them. Like you said, or I'll take them off of my head and set them down. Then I go back outside and I think that they're like, for some reason, it's like they still feel like they're on my head and I go to grab them and they're not there. You're like, dang it. Hmm. That's a shame. We've been talking a lot about weather like we normally do. I mean, it's pretty much the, you know, it's kind of, you can't have agriculture without the weather. But 
this the weather here the last month or so has really uh, caused a. It's been good for the corn crop, but it's also kind of caused some issues. And uh, Matt, why don't you give our guest an introduction so we can talk about uh, our latest issue that we've we've come across in the corn crop? All right. Well, with us now we have uh, Dr. Kirsten Wise uh, to talk. Give us a little bit of a corn disease update. Uh, Kirsten, thanks for coming on with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. So uh, we had a little bit of a new disease found, I guess, for the first time this year in Kentucky uh, last week. Would you like to just start out by talking a little bit about that? Yeah. And and first, I want to say, like, I'd love to come on your podcast when I don't have to, like, announce a new disease. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Maybe a time where I'm not where I have some happier things to talk about. Right. Um, but yes. Um, so we did confirm tar spot on corn. Um, this is our first finding of it in Kentucky in 2022. We did have a couple counties of it last year in 2021, some sort of isolated incidents um, of this disease. But this is a, a fairly new one for Kentucky. And I think it gets a lot of attention because this is a disease that can be pretty yield limiting in some of the states to our north. It gets a lot of media attention. And in some of those areas around the Great Lakes, where they're, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana, um, the disease can cause, you know, up to 60 bushel acre yield loss. So it's one that really has farmers' attention when we um, are finding it in Kentucky. So where was it found uh, for the first time this year? So this year it was in um, from some samples in Lincoln County. And, you know, the good news is, is that it, it wasn't really severe. It was mostly on the end rows in this particular field. Um, but it was pretty easy to find on the leaves. The leaves were pretty, it had a lot of, um, had a lot of the fungal structures called stromata that we associate with tar spot. Um, and so, so, it was out there. And then in last year, we found it in Ohio County and Todd County as well. And so is this kind of like Southern rust? Does it have to come in? You mentioned that it's been a problem in the north for a long time. Does it have to move in from the north or uh, how, how does that disease move? Well, we are still learning about this particular fungus and this particular disease. So that's one of the questions. Um, how it spreads is a question we're still trying to get a handle on. But I can tell you this, it, it's not the same as southern rust in the fact that it can overwinter. Um, so, you know, southern rust doesn't survive our Kentucky winters. And so we have to get new fungal spores each year. Um, but it sounds like tar spot is one that can survive um, you know, some of those northern climates. And so we would probably expect that it might survive Kentucky winters if it can survive Michigan winters, right? Um, so so that's something we need to keep an eye on. When we find it in these fields, um, you know, we try to monitor where it is and, and monitor it in the future so we can find out if it is overwintering and, and what type of impact that's going to have in our state. A lot of our weather this time I, I mean it seemed like it came from that direction uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably not directly related to that but typically we're watching for these uh south storm you know these storms that come up from the gulf and we didn't really have a lot of that but we've had a lot come from i guess what do they call those matt they're like um clippers or whatever yeah. like when they come from that direction that seems that's where a lot of our weathers come from this year so i hope that's i hope that's not related 
Yeah, well, I can tell you, you know, we've been um, this last year since we found it in 2021, we've been trying to do some spore trapping. Um, and, and this is a initiative that's funded in part by the Kentucky Corn Growers Association, where we're using um, some some spore traps out there to kind of collect whatever's out in the area. And we can find um, the fungus that causes tar spot pretty easily in some of these spore traps. And so, you know, it's out there, whether it's coming in on, you know, wind currents or storms, or um, if it's just already out there in the environment, you know, we're finding it in Kentucky. And what really is going to dictate whether or not it causes disease is going to be whether or not we have the conditions, the environmental conditions that favor um, disease development. And just a reminder, what are some of those environmental conditions? Yes. So what we know right now is that the tar spot fungus likes it a little bit cooler, um, which is why it does so well in states to the north. Um, if we think, you know, temperatures in the 70s, really mild conditions, lots of humidity, um, you know, some some leaf moisture, those are all going to be things that favor infection. And we have really high humidity in Kentucky, so we do satisfy that um, requirement but we don't often have those cooler conditions when um, corn is really, you know, sort of going through grain fill and we'd think about the highest um, terms of yield loss. But if, if we think about our weather pattern this year, you know, it's been cooler over the last month. We've had more fall-like weather. And I think that's probably, you know, coupled with our humidity and those nice heavy dews in the morning that we've been seeing, I think that's one of the reasons we're starting to pick up this disease right now. So it sounds to me like uh, conditions that are conducive for good grain fill, uh, cooler, wetter weather are also going to be conducive for tar spot, right? I know. Isn't it weird how that works? <laughs> you know, what's good for the plant is also good for the disease, right? And so that's why I think it's really important. We, we monitor, we're, we're trying to do some research to learn more about it and how um, it's going to establish in Kentucky and what kind of impact it's going to have here. Because, you know, we can take some of those, um, some of the information and the research from State Star North, um, but they produce corn a little bit differently. They have different conditions, you know, um, they still do a lot of tillage. We do a lot of no-till. I mean, so there's some key differences that could be in influencing the level and type of yield loss we might see from this disease. And one last thing on tar spot before we uh, move on a little bit, if producers are out there in their fields right now and they think they may have it, what should they be looking for? Uh, what are some, I guess, dead giveaways or some things to look for to know if it's tar spot or or not yeah so tar spot it's gonna um the fungus produces these black fungal structures that feel bumpy when you touch them so this is one of those sort of things that help us distinguish tar spot from some of the other things that could be out there is that they'll be embedded in that leaf tissue you won't be able to scrape them off and when you run your finger across the leaf it'll feel bumpy now the one caveat is right now there's also a lot of southern rust out there and the southern rust fungus you know as it gets cooler 
um, those pustules will darken and they'll turn sort of a black color and they will also feel bumpy to the touch. And so if you even think you might have tar spots, um, if you're not sure, um, just get a sample to, you know, your agent and they can get it off to the diagnostic lab because it's really easy to tell under the microscope um, which disease you have. And so it's a pretty fast way to identify it to know for sure. And why is it important, you know, if it's came in this late and it's probably not uh, caused any yield loss this year, uh, why is it important to go ahead and, and diagnose that and know whether you have tar spot in a particular field or, or not? Yeah, so it's it's not an issue right now because it's not going to cause yield loss this year. But what we're concerned about is the potential for yield loss in future years. Um, my hope is that maybe this is a disease that we'll see periodically in Kentucky, but really won't have an impact. You know, we have a lot of diseases like that that we can find out there, but they're not really causing yield loss. Um, but we want to be proactive, right? We want to make sure we're monitoring these fields. We want to know where it is so we can keep an eye on um, how disease develops and, and learn more about the disease in Kentucky so that if it is going to be a threat to yield, um, we can respond accordingly and make sure we're managing it so we don't see those 60 bushel an acre yield losses that they do in other areas. So mostly we're just trying to be proactive, monitor it, know where it is, and keep an eye on it in the future too. All right. And real quick, you mentioned management there. Uh, what are some things of a, if a producer finds tar spot uh, this year, what are some things to look forward as far as management considerations? So at this point in Kentucky, you know, just having the disease doesn't necessarily warrant management. Again, because it comes in late, we haven't seen an impact on yield. Um, so we're not, we're sort of just in an awareness phase, not necessarily a we need to manage this disease phase. Um, but the good news is, is that if we do need to manage it at some point in the future, um, all of the research you know, that comes out of our northern states indicates that fungicides are very effective against tar spot. Um, and farmers in Kentucky are, are usually going to be using fungicides to manage diseases like southern rust or gray leaf spot. So I do think we have um, some in-season management options available if we were to need them. All right. Well, uh, real quick before you go, uh, you've you've mentioned Southern rust a few times and I know I happened to be in a cornfield this morning and, and when I came out, my shirt was orange and I, I didn't, you were, uh, thought you were cheering for Tennessee. Yeah. I didn't bring a, bring a change of clothes with me when I came to the office. I just get to wear Southern rust all day. Uh, it seems like it's really blown up here as of late. Is that what you're seeing across the state statewide? Yes. Um, so we've been walking a lot of fields over the last few weeks and, you know, lots of southern rust um, and, you know, sort of these late infections, you know, have come on sort of as things have cooled down as we've gotten some end of the season moisture. We're seeing more of the disease out there. And again, just like tar spot, you know, at this late date in the season, you know, it's, it's probably not going to have an impact on yield. Not much of a concern at this point in time. Um, and it is one that's not going to overwinter, right? So, you know, it's just something that we've noted um, that we're seeing out there might dry corn down a little bit faster in some places where it's severe, um, but nothing that we need to, to manage or worry about at this point. Uh, if we have these severe Southern rust 
infections, you know, as we go into harvest, do we need to worry about standability on those fields uh, as as we go through the fall here, or is it is it too late to even affect stalk integri integrity at all? So southern rust, these late infections of southern rust probably are not going to have an impact on stock integrity because grain fill is already complete, right? And we worry about stock integrity problems, you know, as the plant is um, trying to complete grain fill. But I will mention that in a lot of the fields we've walked, independent of southern rust, there are a lot of stock problems um, that go back to some of that really heat and potentially drought stress, depending on where you are in the state, that we had during pollination and early grain fill, and in, in some cases, even in through mid or late grain fill. And those conditions, when the plant sort of runs out of water, and then it runs out of nutrients, you know, that's going to cause that ear to have to pull from the stalk. So any of those fields that experienced heat or drought stress or, or ran out of nitrogen um, are going to probably be more at risk for lodged corn or standability issues as you go into harvest. And so we've really been encouraging farmers that if they if they know they have some of those fields to kind of prioritize those for harvest, you know, because what we would hate to see happen is, you know, a big storm goes through and, and knocks a lot of corn down. Right now, I think there's some that's standing okay but there is high potential for lodging this year. And one last thing on that, uh, it seems like, you know, like the particular field I was in this morning, uh, the farmer noted it had been sprayed with fungicide twice and still had a lot of Southern rust. Uh, seems like we're hearing a lot about uh, even if these fields had fungicide on them, we're still finding Southern rust late. What happened there? Did our did our fungicide not work? What's what's going on there? Yeah, this has been a really common question um, because you know the fungicide application, you know when it goes on, it's going to protect the plant um, usually through that critical period of grain fill, and even our newer fungicides. They really, you know, we would expect them to have um, at least 14 to 21 days of activity in the plant um, of protection, but it's not season long control, right? So this is sort of that point in the season um, where that fungicide is going to run out and then we're going to start to see we've had favorable conditions for these other diseases to start to flare up. Um, so nothing to be concerned about. Um, you know, you'll know with the yields that the fungicide probably did its job um, protecting the plant when it needed to be protected through that critical part of grain fill. And so these sort of late flushes of disease um, are interesting to see, but not necessarily concerning in terms of yield or fungicide efficacy. It's kind of like these last couple of weeks, if I go like a day without taking my allergy medicine <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. Um, yeah. it's, 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 yeah, it's just that, le that level of protection. is just got a kind of, it found a gap in that. Yeah, that's very similar. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us today, Kirsten. And, uh, we'll look forward to maybe having you on sometime when we don't have a pressing problem to discuss. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to just chat with you guys about happy stuff. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks, Kirsten. All right. I guess I want to say it's always good to have Kirsten on, but it seems like usually it's bad. It's, it's bad yeah. when we have her on, but, uh, but I appreciate her joining us and sharing a little bit about tar spot. I think that's a, um, you know, that's something we're probably going to continue to monitor and hear about in the future. 
Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, weather condition related or what, but um, probably something we're going to always have on our radar, especially late season. Well, and I know that in my county, I think last week kind of started harvest, you know, it was we, and we discussed this on the podcast last week, as far as moisture is being a little high and everything, but I mean, are you all hearing positive things from producers or negative? I know we've had, it's been an interesting growing year. Better than expected. Yeah. But still, I think pretty bad on this early stuff. Yeah. Not great, but better. And I think, and I've said this before too, I think we were probably just a little too pessimistic about it, but also I'm kind of like that myself with a lot of stuff where like, I just assume like be a little pessimistic, but then be surprised um, that it's better than I thought. So uh, I just, I, I think it's, it's it, this early stuff, especially on the corn side is probably, you know, it's not going to be great, but hopefully as we get into it more and more, it'll, it'll continue to improve. But yeah, I think the, uh, some have started in on it pretty good, but I think there'll be a, um, just as the next week or two, it'll really be, ramping up and really getting into this crop and seeing what we've got. I don't know about you all, but I have seen just in the last, and I know I think one of you all mentioned it via our little text group, but I have been in several counties in the last two or three days and the bean crop is starting to turn very quickly. It seems like, or it's starting to turn colors, you know, I don't know. It just seems quicker than normal for me. I don't know, but I don't know about quicker than normal, but it seemed like it's, really like everything started to turn yeah well and the fields where the bean or the leaves are falling they're they are full of pods yep so it looks looks promising so hopefully it's a i think it's going to be a, a really good soybean crop um and then speaking of that since it's going to be a really good crop uh, we also got uh information in the last several weeks about the okay. corn and soybean contest entries um so matt i think you got to approve the did you did you get to approve the the corn contest rules yeah. is that right okay uh, yeah so what uh just a quick reminder let's say for for corn for example what's the what were some of the parameters if we do one of those corn contests like how much is it that we harvest i thought you'd know that off the top of your head i do is it like one and a half acres? 1.25. 1.25. Continuous. Continu- no, not continuous. It's not continuous. 1.25, it has to be out of a 10 acre, uh, at least a 10 acre field. The 10 acres has to be continuous of a single hybrid. That's, yeah, that's probably what. Yeah, 1.25, and how you have to harvest that, uh, make sure you leave enough room if you've never done this before because what you actually do is you harvest a pass, a header strip, uh, as long as you want to, and then you have to skip. Header width, right? You have to skip three header widths. Three header widths, that's right. So just as an example, if you have an eight row head, you'll harvest eight rows, skip 24, harvest eight, skip 24. And then your supervisor has to be out there uh, measuring and you'll harvest that until you get to 1.25 acres. And And it has to be 1.25 acres if it is 1.24. 
that's not allowed. And for those that have maybe entered the national corn growers and you think you're going to be, what is it over 300 that you have to have more than one supervisor out there? Correct. Is that still the yes. same? Yes. Okay. 325 now. 325. Okay. I know Kentucky's 325, but I think NCGA might be 300 still. I just know I've gotten called out a couple of times over the last couple of years for other counties to have just another, you know, because I think they both have to measure. and. Well, sure and if you're, uh, if you're over 325 on the Kentucky contest and there's only one supervisor present on the first check, then you have to rerun that with two supervisors present. If two supervisors are there, uh, on the first check and it goes over 325 you're good there's no you'll no recheck required the kicker with all these is certified scales yep and that tends to be the biggest problem way uh, wagon doesn't work can't use a way wagon work. can't use ground scale card scales don't can't work. use any of that um but probably your scales if you have scales at the bins won't work because they're probably not certified Right. So if uh, if you come across a part in the field or spot in the field where you think this would be, a you know, something you want to measure and enter in the state contest, uh, let us know. But also know that you're probably going to take your not probably you're going to have to take a truck to the closest certified scales. And for some people that can be, can be a pretty good haul, especially in LaRue County where um, there there's not any locally anymore you're going to have to basically go outside the county somewhere to to get that done and if you're close to the county line it's not that big a deal but if you're in the middle of middle of the county it's pretty tough because you're either going to hardin county or you're going to loretta and it's not really a good straight way to get there all the time yeah. and it's sort of not feasible but um if there's any way we can we can help make it easier for you we'll try but that tends to be the one big barrier to doing that I remember working in, when I started out in Hancock County years ago, there were several trips I had to take to Rockport because that was the closest place you could go. So and they just would, they, they were going to dump anyway. So they just ride along. That's the closest certified scale. And another big thing is make sure you contact us ahead of time. I mean, if we can, we will, but chances are if you call and say, hey, I need to run this in 10 minutes, we're probably not going to be able to be there. <clears throat> so, true, true. Uh, and we do have to be there. You have to have a supervisor present when it's being ran. So don't run it and then call after the fact wanting your form filled out. All right, can I change topics real quick? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. How do y'all cook your chicken? What's your favorite way to cook chicken? Just grill it. Grill? You like Probably to grill, grill it? Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't like it for you. So like if you're going to cook it though, you're going to grill it, right? Like, and that's probably the way I make it most of the time because it's easier, yeah. it's quick, and it's good. I like, I mean, I like to fry it. I really love to fry it. Mm -hmm. And it just takes, time it's messy that. and it takes some time. <laughs> um, but I did see that they put a, had to put a report out this week that um, you should not cook your chicken in NyQuil. I what? saw that too. What in the world is this place coming to that you're cooking your chicken in NyQuil? 
Yeah, that it's like an actual thing that they had to put a federal report out was hey, do not cook your chicken in night. Stupid TikTok. Why does that even TikTok seem thing, like a good idea? I don't know. Like when did you ever be like, oh man, this NyQuil tastes so good. I want it infused into my chicken. <laughs> like that never is, thought of that. That is one of the only medicines I have a hard time getting down as far as the liquid is concerned. I mean, that is awful. I tell you what, I could shoot straight moonshine sometimes better than I can <laughs> yes. take a Take Ugh. a shot of cough syrup. Blech. Blech. I don't care what flavor it is. It's true. And so anyway, yeah, it was evidently it's something to do with like the the vapors that come off. It's like could be straight stuff and like. So they're doing it to lungs. get high. Is that what they're no, doing? No, I mean, it's just TikTok thing where they're showing them cooking their chicken in NyQuil. Starring TikTokers. I know it. Crazy. No, but I like so, to do that. And just I like wanted to, to the crock pot too. So yeah, I just wanted to, you know, make sure everybody's aware that you should not cook your chicken in Nyquil. So that's that's Public some education that we're pushing out there to all of our listeners. That I know, <laughs> I know all of our. We actually have a listener who's pretty big on TikTok. He might, he maybe might he try can it. shed some light on why I'm in just, the world I'm, people are doing it. I hope he doesn't cook his chicken in Nyquil. But he he better not. Better not. Uh, another thing uh, it seems like we talk about this a lot but probably worth mentioning um some topics about around ponds uh, mm-hmm. that we typically get this time of year i've noticed yeah. i've gotten i mean i always get questions about these but it's been a little more lately than than the last several years but i've gotten a lot of questions about pond construction i've gotten some to, of that too and yeah. it just kind of out of I don't know, just kind of caught me off guard or something, you know, you kind of notice trends and stuff in this job. And we've gotten a lot of questions about that lately, but uh, what else, what other kind of stuff are we, have we been getting uh, about ponds? starting to see a lot of announcements and Facebook posts and stuff about the uh, fish trucks coming around. I think they're going to make their fall run here in the next few weeks. So yeah, just keep in mind some things when you're, Stocking fish. There's a really good resource on Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. Basically, if you just Google Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Farm Pond Management, it'll take you to a page that uh, has a lot of good, good, uh, good resources on it. It has a lot of good stuff. And if you come into the Extension Office and you ask me questions about farm ponds, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> I Google that and go right to there and pull stuff off and, and, and help people. But it's a very good resource with like anything you need to know about farm pond stuff. It's there. And if you just happen to like fishing also, I mean, there's, they, they show the fish and wildlife also has their stocking rates on there too. I thought that was interesting. Show you what they've been stocking in the lakes and the streams. And so anyway, but yeah, you can, any of your farm pond information is, that's a great resource. And as always too, I mean, we've got some specialists through um, Kentucky State University that if you've got more specific questions than that, you know, I think uh, Forrest Wynn, we've had him as a guest. He's a really good resource also. So he's usually, if I don't find it on the fish and wildlife, as far as stocking, I usually call him. What's your favorite thing? If you are going to fish in a farm pond, what's something that you're liking to look, what do you typically fish for? Nothing. <laughs> Come on and enlighten me here. <laughs> I'm not a big fisherman. I'm We've no got fisherman. a pond that I think we're going to fish or that we're going to stock just so we have somewhere to take the kids fishing mm-hmm. when they want to go fishing. But yeah, nothing in Shoot. particular. We do 
uh, our farm ponds got bass and bluegill in it. I think and that's what a few uh, crappie. The one that we're going to stock, try and stock. I think that's what we're going to shoot for is just put some bass and some bluegill in there. Whenever I go fishing, I'll throw it out, throw the line out there once or twice, and then when I don't get nothing, I say, "Screw this! I got better stuff to do." And then I just that help. is something I, I wish just I watch could do the more kids of. or make sure they don't yeah. uh, the grab water. a big handful of cow manure or mm -hmm. fall in the water. Which actually, the last time we went, he didn't fall in the water, but he stepped off in there and got his foot, his foot buried in the mud. Good Ugh. times, yeah. Good times. You didn't get nobody got a hook in their head or anything, did they? no done, been there and done that a time or two but yeah so i also we catfish that's always a good thing to stock in your farm pond too if you're gonna have they kind of i'm just not much of a i like to eat catfish but mm -hmm. i don't know they always kind of freaked me out a little bit when i was a kid like you i you always don't go secretly hoped them? not to catch a catfish because they freaked me out i didn't want to take it off the hook oh they're mean. I don't know. I always think of like piranhas when I think, because I, I guess when I was little, I, you know, they throw the bread or something out there. We'd go to Huber's in Indiana and there was this pond and you'd throw the food out there and it was just like, <laughs> just like going crazy. And I was like, oh my God, I fall in there. <laughs> fall in there and it's like, oh man, they eat you alive. Mm -hmm. Even though they don't think they have teeth. Yeah. But still, I just I didn't like that. No, we are, my kid, my oldest especially loves to fish, so we try to keep farm pond stocked. Uh, we've done this a few times, but it's still worth repeating. Um, it, there is still time to take action and make your uh, uh, comments on uh, the atrazine restrictions that are being proposed. I think you have until October 7th to do that so if you haven't done that yet uh go to kycorn.org and it's the first thing on their page uh that you can click on and and some and sign the petition to stop uh the epa overreach of of trying to control atrazine had a um uh, conversation this morning and talking about non-GMO corn and how it's probably gonna with some new businesses coming to Hardin County probably be more non-GMO corn grown in the future and can't use atrazine be tough be something that definitely will impact this area so make sure to get on there and and sign that petition on uh programming notes is if you're uh, somebody who's interested in sheep and goat production if you have sheep and goats or if you're thinking about getting into it we do have a sheep and goat program the uh, September 27th at 6 30 at the extension office and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about markets it's probably going to be a little more catered to sheep but it is uh, relevant to goat production as well um, still seems like we have a lot of local interest in that. And also we had a gift, uh, given of or just a little over a thousand dollars. We're going to try to find some ways to use that money to either help with some, uh, future sheep programs or, or maybe buy something that would help, uh, producers and sheep or goats, um, out. So if you're interested, try to make that, I think it'll be a good, good program and good conversation that night. Also me and Matt are going to go do something for LaRue County FFA. Yeah. next week at their ag awareness day so maybe maybe our show could be we could interview junior high kids lie. about agriculture well, that might be, be all right but uh we'll see we'll work on that but anyway 
What else y'all got? Uh, That's got it. I was going to say, yeah. Is that got it for this week? Mm-hmm. Um, what did we say? Rose-colored glasses? Since we were talking <laughs> yeah. about sun, sunglasses John earlier. Conley. Yeah. I know that he's got that. So that'll work good. Because I couldn't think of any songs about chicken and NyQuil. All right. We'll catch you next week. All right. See ya. See ya.